Hey guys, you're listening to Lavish Hospitality. My name is Kim. Today I am coming to the end of September. We celebrate October 1st on Friday. So I wanted to start um, doing something that Emily Freeman um, teaches about or writes about. And kind of, this has been going on for a while. I remember friends of mine doing it back in the mid-teens, just talking about what you learned. And it doesn't have to be monthly, but that's how I'm going to do it. Just thinking through what I've learned this month. So today I have four things to talk about. But first, I wanted to do some lighthearted, um, just fun things about September. September, we celebrated my nine-year-old's birthday. It is fun to see him grow and get to see his interests. It's really interesting. He loves to read nonfiction, and I love to read nonfiction too, but he loves to read nonfiction like things you need to know about animals or these this book, he got a certain book from his friend for his birthday. It's like 5,000 Amazing Facts. And he will just stay up and read that. So, so fun. But I really, I really want to get him to love stories. And he has this one series that he really loves and has read all of them. And he probably will have all of them too by the time they all come out. But it's called Dragon Masters by Tracy West. He devours it. Like he'll get it in the in the mail or he'll get it for a gift and he'll read it that day. So it's really fun to see that there are some he likes. But if you are a mom of eight, nine, ten year old boys and you have some ideas for stories that they would love to read please pass them on. Send me a message. uh, Find me on social media. Tell me. Give me some ideas. I can tell you that Harry Potter and the Wingfeather Saga are a little too wordy for him right now. He gets overwhelmed and then not as interested in it. So he won't read it. He'll read like two or three pages and put it down. Um, Same with Chronicles of Narnia. I think they're just, they have too many words on the page. So he likes graphic novels. He likes the Dragon Master series. He's read some others that are fine, but you can tell he's just doing it because I want him to read it. Now, he'll watch Lord of the Rings. He'll watch all the Harry Potters. He loves the stories in the movies, but he doesn't like to put a whole lot of effort into them. So he is my reader. He loves to read, but give him a fact book about animals or dinosaurs or nature. He'll read those a lot more. So if you have any ideas for that, for kids who really love nonfiction books and you have great ideas for him to read, please pass them on to me. Um, Another thing that's going on in our world is next week we celebrate 10 years of marriage, which is super fun. Um, We won't get to really celebrate until November when we're going out of town for My husband, he has a work event that he needs to go to. So we're stretching out the trip a little bit and staying a little bit longer and going to one of the cities that we spent time in on our honeymoon. So that'll be great. What I'm reading right now, I just finished Carla Loriano's 
new book called Provenance, and she's going to be on the podcast, I think probably in November. Looking forward to interviewing her. She's got some novellas coming out as well. She is one of my favorite Christian, I mean, chicklet for a lack of better terms, but I really, I really just love her writing style. It's a little bit predictable, meaning, you know, that the two main characters are probably going to get together, but she takes it on a journey that isn't so predictable. And I really like that about her. I've enjoyed all of the books that I've read in her fiction um, genre. And so I just finished that. I'm listening to that. The next fiction book I'm listening to is A Place to Hang the Moon, which I don't know when it came out, but several of my friends have been talking about it. And one of my friends said it's very very Narnia-esque. So that's fun. And it is. I mean, I've listened to the first chapter. A nonfiction book that I'm listening to is God God Does His Best Work with Nothing, or whatever the title of it is, by Nancy Guthrie. So I'm about a quarter of the way through that. I love the app Hoopla. That's been a way for me to get to listen to books as I walk and and um, clean the house or cook dinner. It's been good for me to be able to listen to uh, books on my phone. And that's, that's great. So if you have any... Um, hoopla recommendations for me. I would gladly take those. I am also, uh, I put on my next thing, my next nonfiction work, A Severe Mercy. I've heard about this book for a while and a recent podcast guest told me just it was fabulous. So I'm going to take her recommendation and listen to it. And maybe if it's as great as she says, I'll probably have to buy a copy so I can mark it up. But that's also related to C.S. Lewis. Another related to C.S. Lewis thing is um, the book, the Inkling Chronicles or the Oxford, the Oxford Chronicles is what it's called. It's by Melanie Jeschke. They were written a decade plus ago, but I've loved it. It's my favorite nonfiction modern era, or I'm sorry, fiction modern era book series. There's three, and she's going to be re-releasing them in the next year, and she's also going to come be on the podcast. So that'll be super exciting as well. Talk about those books. Her other book that's just being re-released next week, which is called Jillian Dare. If you like Jane Eyre, she does a modern retelling of it, and it's good. I read it over a decade ago when it came out. I think it came out in 08 during the recession, and that's kind of why they're re-releasing it. But I read it when I lived in Louisville and read that, and then I read Jane Eyre. So it was great. And that's one of the reasons I probably like Jane Eyre as much as I did is I read it right after a really good retelling of it. Sometimes it helps seeing a movie before you read a book or having another way to interact with a harder classic book if you're trying to read it. So for me, I'm a visual learner. So I would rather watch a movie than read a book first. Because if I'm reading something like Lord of the Rings, um, just for an example, 
I'm not going to know what an orc looks like. I mean, he can describe it to me, but I'm not, I'm not visualizing it like it should be. And so I know the movie may not be written by Tolkien and Tolkien didn't pass his A plus two thumbs up off on the movies because he's not alive. But that's kind of how I want to be able to see something in my head as I'm reading. That's why when Carla Loriano writes a lot of hers in the Colorado, um, either Denver or some of the mountain towns, I've been to those towns. So I know the color of the Aspens because I've seen them. So Maybe we need to think some about that when we're telling our boys or girls or kids something to read is think about how they're wired and how they learn and think about is there a way that we can get the same concept to them before they read a book so that they can better engage with it. So, for example, Andrew Peterson has a clip of the Wing Feather Saga movie. It's like 15 minutes. And we've watched it, and I've Elijah's probably made us halfway through the first book. I haven't even made it through the first book, and I've heard the first book's the hardest, but you just got to get to the second, third, and fourth, and you'll love it. But we can't get through the first one right now. But he always asks, hey, have they finished the movie? Have they finished the movie? So I really think Elijah may lend himself more toward the visual and the animated more so he can see what things look like. He can hear somebody say the name of of the characters and he knows what it's supposed to be so all that that's a lot of book stuff just because we're a book a big book family and I see a bunch of ornaments on my desk we are getting into prep for Christmas markets season at my house I went and bought a laundry fold-up drying rack thing at Target today it's 15 bucks and I bought um clothespins to hang the ornaments on so they can dry and I won't have to sit there and hold them or use a blow dryer to help them dry quicker. So that is getting started. I think I have 45 ornaments to paint, not including Christmas carols and journals. So just we're in full on paint mode around here. Really looking forward to a maker's market that I have in my backyard. This is the third one. We do two a year. And last year, even during the mess of COVID, this was one of my favorite things where I just invite um, people that I want to hang out with for the afternoon and love their craft and come out, stay on my back porch, eat good food, bring your friends, buy stuff, support local. It's just a great afternoon. So that is coming up early November for us and just looking forward to it again as as it's always a good time on a Sunday afternoon to hang out and just to talk to people and welcome people to my home. It's a great time of of hospitality, but also just connection and networking with people and getting to support other female artisans and business owners and people who just love what they do. So I enjoy doing that. Okay. So if I can find my phone, I have a list of the things that I learned in September. So thought I would thought I would shoot them out to you. So number one is I do not like to cook for myself. You may think, well, you love to cook and you're a great cook. 
But if I'm just cooking for myself, I don't want to go through the trouble. So I don't want to reheat leftovers. I'm not really a leftover person unless it is dessert or soup because soups reheat really well. But I don't like soups with meat in them if I have to reheat them because meat warmed up in the microwave or even reheated on the stove doesn't really do anything for me. Changes the texture and the taste of the meat, at least chicken especially, and then pork gets way too dried out. So if I'm cooking for myself, I'll do a bowl of cereal. I know, and most people will say, that's so unhealthy. Man, don't eat that. Well, I eat cereal. So, I mean, I don't eat it often, maybe once or twice a month. Um, I will do a sandwich. I will, and I love, my husband knows, I cannot eat a sandwich without chips. And he's like, they're both carbs. Well, they are both carbs, but it's texture. And texture is very important to me in food. So that is why I always pair chips with a sandwich. Or I will hit up the dollar menu at McDonald's or I will go to Chick-fil-A and use some of my points or I will run get sushi from Publix. And I know it's not like the best sushi in the world, but it's $7 and it's fresh and it tastes good and it's crunchy. So I'll take that. But I love to cook for other people. But I think part of the main joy that I get from cooking for other people is the way they receive it. So if I spend a lot of time making a cake or putting together a board or cooking a nice meal, I want people to enjoy it. And I don't care if it's just me enjoying it, but if my family or my friends will sit around my table and have a conversation and talk and just love life around the food that I made, that makes it all better. So I don't like to cook for myself. Things I learned in September, number one. Number two, this is how I text it into my into my um, notes app on my phone. It says, when I don't know the answers, I need to remember to go to the one who has the answers. Even though I know he has the answers, I still ask the questions. And I think some of us in the Christian life may see question asking of God as disrespectful or um, a measure of doubt Or we don't even ask God and we go to other things. And some people, um, maybe in the de-church movement or in the just questioning and doubt movement that's out there, they doubt God. So they go to other things that will tell them also to doubt God or to believe other things that don't line up with scripture. And it just puzzles me that if you doubted, I mean, I, I get it. I totally understand, but it's really hard to wrestle with is what I'm saying. Because I understand that if someone has disappointed you, I mean, the reason you doubt God is probably because something has happened that you don't think should have happened. We often think of problem with good and evil in the world and would a good God allow bad things to happen? That's a huge reason for doubt in people, myself included. But when we see that, we need to take our doubts to God and not to other books or other people that may not have any relationship with God whatsoever. So when things happen 
to be able to come to God like the psalmist did when the psalmist was under attack or people trying to kill him or things just aren't going the way that he thinks they should go. And he doesn't go to the worldly leaders. He doesn't go to people who have no relationship with God. He goes to God himself and he prays to him. And he keeps crying out to him, even when the answers may not come, or even when the answers come, but they may not be what he wanted to hear. So I would just encourage, I mean, myself is something I learned, but also encourage you that if there's times of doubt in your life, which there will be, I think it's part of the Christian life, because we walk by faith, not by sight, and faith is is hard to keep on a steady track. I mean, we're always up or down. Seldom are we staying the same in our faith. And that's just a measure of growth here in a broken world is that we do have to walk by faith and we're not walking by sight. But something to encourage you is go to the one, go to the author of your faith, go to the one who made you, go to the one who keeps you, go to the sovereign one, go to the one who holds all things together Why? Because he does. He holds all things together. Why else would you go to someone who doesn't hold all things together? If I'm looking for a watch to be fixed, I'm not going to go to the person who didn't make the watch. I'm going to go to the one who made the watch to ask the questions. Or, I mean, I know that's like a really cheesy analogy, but it works. And so I would just pray that that you would not be afraid to bring your doubts to God because God can handle your doubts. And if God can't handle your doubts or your questions or your tricky faith or your moments of who are you, then go find God. Because if your God can't handle it, he's not God. He's not Yahweh because Yahweh can handle it. And he's still on his throne and he's still in control And he still loves you and he still has a plan for your life. And he'll take them. He'll take your questions. Don't be afraid to bring them to him. The third thing that I learned is personal growth is something you have to take charge of. I think when I was younger, um, my parents helped me study for exams or They set up camps for me to go to, or um, they helped pay for my college. They encouraged me in that. But as I've gotten older, I not only do that for my sons, but I want to set them up to succeed by being being the instigator of their own learning, where They're figuring things out and I don't have to do everything for them. But how are they going to learn? They're going to learn by doing it and figuring it out. And that's where I am this month. I want to, if I want to become a better cook, then I need to take a class on cooking. If I want to become a better podcaster, then I need to watch YouTube videos on how to become a better podcaster. If I want to be a better theologian and how to think rightly about God and study God, then I need to read the books that maybe I read in seminary. But here, 20 years later, 22 years later, after I started seminary, I need to read them again, 
or I need to pick up another book, or if I want to learn on a topic, I, I need to read and listen and study and invest time and energy into learning about a subject. No one is going to do that for me at 45 years old. No one is going to say, hey, you need to do this. Let me point you in the right direction. I mean, maybe someone will give me a podcast to listen to or they'll give me a cookbook, but they're not going to make me sit and listen to it. I am the only one who can determine the trajectory of what I want to learn because I am in charge of my personal development. That's number three. Number four, it is really hard to live an ordinary life. A couple months ago now, probably, there was an article out that said, it's okay to live an ordinary life, and it, or something to that effect of the title. But it was written by, by a well-known female in the theology world, in the Christian world. And I'm like, but you're not ordinary. I want an ordinary woman to write that article. And get it published who doesn't have a book deal and isn't the wife of a seminary president and isn't in charge of a major organization. I want the the woman who just serves in her church and has three kids and just loves her church family. I want her to write that article and say, you know what? I love my ordinary life. I just serve Jesus in my own little town where I don't have notoriety, I don't have 10,000 followers, I don't have a book deal, I'm not putting out anything. And it's hard to crave the ordinary. We crave a lot of other things in life, don't we? We crave the Instagram followers. We crave the notoriety. We crave the esteem. We crave people knowing who we are. Or Maybe other things. I'm definitely an Enneagram 3 and 4, so that's what that comes out of. And it's really hard to tell myself, you know what? If five people listen to this podcast, then five people have listened to this podcast, and that's great. Or if nobody ever wants me to write a book, it's okay. My kids love me. My husbands love me. The people I disciple, they hopefully know Jesus better because I'm in their life. At the end of my life, God is not going to ask me, how many Instagram followers did you have? He's not going to ask me, did you get that book deal? He's, he's going to say, why should I let you into my heaven? And I'll get to say Jesus. And Jesus doesn't require me to be insta-famous or to have something go viral or for me to be thin or to, for me to have the esteem of everybody I know. So they asked me to do lots of things. He asked me to be faithful to what he has called me to do. And that's all. He's called me to love him, to be faithful. And being faithful sometimes looks ordinary. And I know that's not what we want to hear. Because we want to hear, if I'm being faithful, then it will equal all this stuff. And it may be different for you. It may be health. It may be notoriety. It may be a book deal. It may be friendships. It may be money. It could be how your house looks. 
I mean, I'm listening to that Nancy Guthrie book, like I was talking about, God does his best work with empty. And she's saying our diet is what is what fills us up. And so often we fill up on other things besides Christ. And he's saying, as he said in John 6, like, I am the bread of life. I am the true bread that will never leave you hungry. And so often we, I mean, like one of my reels have like 6,000 views and 6,000 views is nothing. I mean, seriously, nothing in comparison to other viral reels. But I'm like, oh, that's so exciting. And I think to myself, are you really excited about 6,000 views on a reel? I mean, is that really life altering and important for eternity? I was talking to Marianne Helms this morning, who will be on the podcast in a couple weeks, and you will not want to miss that. It was so convicting on just wisdom for the social media age. And yeah, we were talking about having an eternal perspective on everything we do and not just what is fleeting. So I would love I would love to hear what you're learning, what God is teaching you. Maybe it's a scripture that you've just clung to for the month of September. Maybe it's a book, like a quote or a passage that has really just stayed in your mind and you've meditated on. Maybe it's I don't know, something your kids said. I mean, it can be anything. God can use anything to teach us. And I would love to hear what you've learned. And I look forward to sharing what I've learned at the end of October. So I'll have to clear out my list and start a new one. But if you have anything you've learned in September, come on over and shoot me a message either in Instagram or Facebook or just respond um, somehow to me. Send me a text. I know a lot of you listening to this probably have my phone number. So um, that is it. It's a relatively short podcast. I hope you have had a great and lovely September as we come into fall and we'll have a great October. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. And if you have listened and you like the podcast, would you do me a favor and go leave a review on wherever you listen to your podcast? Because that helps me and it helps others to know about the podcast and would really appreciate that so much. So thanks and have a great afternoon.